You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. So before I get started, I'll just give you guys a little introduction. Um, I believe, I'm so encouraged, I think God's already doing something this service. There's already a theme of faithfulness has come up over and over again through the songs we sang and the way we've been able to respond as a congregation. I'm so excited about that. And what I'm going to talk about really focuses on the fact that life, I believe, is, is made up of seasons. You know, oftentimes we talk about Christianity as a journey of faith or maybe a faith walk. And uh, some of you who've been around a little while, you understand, you, you enter seasons, you stay in seasons, and you exit seasons, and you move on. And I believe God wants some of us to move on today. Some of you, you already know, you already have a sense that one season is coming to an end, and you're about to move on to another one. I believe this word is for you. For others of you, you're in the middle of a season, and maybe for you today, it's to be prepared to know how to move on. I'm not sure. But I encourage you to have your hearts open to hear whatever it is that God wants to say today. God is into doing new things. God is into restoring and, and bringing new life into things. I don't want you guys to miss out on that. And I also want to say we, it's very easy to, when we're encouraged that God is doing a new thing or a new work, it's easy, just easy for us to think about the, the really nice stuff, you know, a new job. Or, you know, a new open door or opportunity or, or some financial provision or maybe, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, something you've been praying for. It could very well be that, but a new season or a new thing could mean for you an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to sacrifice, a chance for God to do something inside of your character and what you feel on the inside. So be open, be uh, ready for whatever God wants to do. And when God is up to a new thing, it may not be glamorous it may not be grand, but I guarantee you it's glorious. It's something that has eternal value and something that will last and something that people can honestly, um, wholeheartedly thank God for. So I'll give you guys my title for today's message. It's called Don't Look Back, Look Up. Don't Look Back, Look Up. And I'll pull three points out of Isaiah 43 so you can turn there now. And uh, before I, I fully start, I'm going to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we've all made it here safely, Lord. Whatever season we're in, wherever we are, would you speak to us, Lord God? Would you anoint my lips? Would there be less of me and more of you? Would you speak to your people? And may your word land where it needs to land for each and every single person. May it find good soil. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read Isaiah 43. And we're going to go from uh, verse 10 down to verse 13. There we go. All right, I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. It just happens to be my favorite version. Here we go. <clears throat> God says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant who I, am, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn it back. Amen. Wow. 
of those three points, I'm going to make my first kind of foundational point. God is the only rescuer. God is the only rescuer. And I'm going to spend a little time stressing this point. Because if we don't get this right, everything else gets out of perspective. Everything else doesn't quite fit. God is our only rescuer. And as we've just read in these verses, God declares that there's no other savior apart from him. And the context of this is, is Isaiah and he's you know, documented some of the things that has happened with the children of Israel. And uh, God's recounting how he's going to be with them, how he's going to stand by them. And talking about rescuing them from the Egyptians, from slavery under the Egyptians, and miraculously bringing them through the Red Sea. Remembering that it's clear. No one else did that. It wasn't Moses. That was God. God is our only rescuer. And God is in charge. Verse 13 says, I work and who can turn it back? If God does something, no one can, 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 can contradict him, can go against what he's done. And I know what it's like. I think it's really easy in this day and age to see so many negative things, to hear so much bad news and begin to question, is, is God really in charge? Is God really in charge? Well, I want to encourage you, church. He is. God is in charge. God is all-powerful. And God is the only rescuer. And he wants to be your rescuer. He wants to be your deliverer. Will you allow him to be? Because it's so easy to turn to other things. If I just, you know, can get that amount of money, then that situation is solved. Or if I can make friends with that person, they can help me out, then that thing will be fixed. If, I, if I'm able to buy that or have that, then that will allow me to do this. And, you know, maybe those things are helpful things. But is that something that God's going to work through? Are you looking to God or are you looking for these other things? Guys, every minute of every day, something is fighting for your attention. Something is fighting for your affinity. Something is fighting for your reliance, your hope. And God wants to declare, you today, to, declare to you today, he is the only rescuer. I want us to have that correct right at the beginning. And one other point I want to make here. It's in verse 10, God says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, talking to his people. So that counts as us now, if you're a Christian. And, you know, so many times I've read maybe in the book of James or when Paul is writing, they might open their book and say something like, I'm writing here, me, it's Paul, and I'm a slave of Christ. And part of me just goes, oh, a slave? Ah, I want to be free. I want to be my own man. I want to be independent. But the, the brutal truth of it is, as a Christian, you've only got two options. You can either be a slave to God and to righteousness or a slave to sin. One way leads to life, one way leads to death. We can't have our cake and eat it too. We can't be free from sin and then just live anyhow we want to. God works for us. No, God doesn't work for us. We work for God. God doesn't work for us. That's what I want to say. We're his servants. He's not our servant. And there is great joy and freedom in being a servant to God, in being in his will and doing what he wants you to do. It doesn't always sound fantastic, but guys, this is the best place you can be. So when we need to know that God is our only rescuer. And we need to know that we are his servants and his witnesses. He doesn't work for us. We're about his agenda. And as his witnesses, we go out and we tell other people what he's doing in our lives foundational point God is the only rescuer he's in charge look to him alone look to him first all right I want to read two more verses from Isaiah chapter 43 and then I'm going to tell you a little story to try and help it hit home 
So we're going to read verses 18 and 19. It says this. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Wow. What encouraging words. If you're waiting on God, if you're waiting on something, what an encouragement to hear. Forget about the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And uh, yeah, I want to tell you guys a little story. Something that happened to I and I last year that will help, maybe help this hit home. So for us, 2016, 2017 was really wedding season. Lots and lots of our friends got married. So we found ourselves going to lots of different weddings. I had to go buy a few different suits. I was best man at one or two of them. So well, I was a groomsman at one, best man at another. But it was a busy time. Lots and lots of weddings. And who's been to a wedding before? Hands up. Okay, most people. So you relate. You know what I'm talking about. So this wedding, so I and I used to live in London, but this wedding wasn't in London. I've been in Coventry for about four years now, but this wedding wasn't in Coventry. It was a little bit further afield. So a little bit of a drive away. It was in the UK. And um, so we, we set off the night before. We stayed at an Airbnb and we, we struggled to find a church in the morning, but we got there and it was this beautiful, beautiful church with these pillars at the front and large steps. So we went, on, went up and we went in and it was an amazing service. Some dear friends of ours got married and they said the vows and they looked each other in the eye and I looked my wife in the eye and we reminisced about when we said I do and it was great. And then, you know, we had some great worship songs. They were Christians, so we celebrated the Lord and what he was doing in their lives. We took the photos, uh, stood on the steps, had a quick chat with the other guests and then the service was over and came that time that anyone who's been to a wedding knows about it's that time between the end of the service and you've got that gap before the reception and everyone just gets a little bit hungry Everyone starts looking at the watches. So when, when do the hors d'oeuvres come out? And when's, you know, when's the snacks? And it all depends. You know, maybe you've been invited to the, the afternoon kind of meal, so you know you're going to eat. Or maybe you're, you're not going to get there to the kind of the evening reception. And you've got you to find some food. And uh, so it had been a great day, but I was getting hungry. And uh, bless her, I was getting a bit irritable and, and hard to be around. My poor wife had to, had to put up with that. And so, well, we said, look, uh, this isn't our area. We don't really know the area. So let's, let's put the reception address in the sat-nav. Let's just head straight there, um, and we'll see what happens from that point. Maybe there's some snacks over there. So we got in the car, put the postcode in the sat-nav, and off we went. And, guys, I, I was struggling. I was driving along. I, I was fading. I was getting so... I was, you know when you, you get irritable when you're hungry? You get, you get hangry? Yeah, I, I was getting a bit hangry, and I was just like, you know, God... Could you just could you help us out? Could we get some food? Maybe just something small. Uh, you know, spare my wife my irritable, hungry tactics and antics. Just just you know, for her sake, find us somewhere to eat. You know. So I just threw up this prayer, not thinking too much about it. And we're driving through the lovely countryside. We kind of go over a hill on this A road, and I see in the distance, rising over the hill, golden arches. McDonald's. God had provided a way in the wilderness. Streams in the desert. I'm exaggerating here a little bit. I'm being a bit silly, but for me, it was so awesome to think, wow, I'm so hungry. We're on our way. I don't know exactly where we are, but wow, here's an opportunity to find food. So I said, look, can we, can we just pull over? And my wife's like, yeah, let, let, let's get some food. She's a bit hungry as well. She's handling it a lot better than I was, but she wanted to pull over. 
And we thought, should we just go through the drive-through, pick up some snacks and keep going? So, like, nah, let's, let's sit down. So we went in. I was all excited. You know, got like a Big Mac meal and thought, well, might as well. Went in town, so I got a little McFlurry and an apple pie to share. And just kind of a little bit, a few sauces for dipping. And we sat down. And it was great to get some food in my belly. And we, we found out some other guests who had been at the service just so happened to pop into that same McDonald's. So we sat and we talked and they were like, yeah, we were hungry too at the end of the service. We didn't want to wait, so we poured in. And we had a great time. We spoke about how handsome the groom looked and how awesome and beautiful the bride looked and how we enjoyed it and we reminisced. And we just had a sweet time of fellowship together in that roadside McDonald's. And then one by one, people got up and said, right, well, look, we've got the invitation. We're supposed to be at the reception at a certain time. We need to get up and we need to go. And uh, I'm not proud to say that this thought passed through my mind, but it did. And I sat there with the remnants of my, my Big Mac and just thought, do we have to go? Can't, could we you know, just go home? We were at the service, so they've seen us. They know we were there. And uh, we've eaten and we met some other guests at the McDonald's. So technically, we've had our own reception. You know, we've spoken and we ate and we said how great it was and how the photos went. So, so we've done all that. Can't, can't we just go home? Now, I didn't say all of that out loud, but the thought passed through my head. And so what came out was me turning to my saying, really? We have to go now? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. All right. Let's go. Uh, so we got up put the postcode back in the sat-nav, and off we went. And guys, I'm so glad I didn't stay at the McDonald's. I'm so glad I didn't go home. I'm so glad we made it to the wedding reception, because boy, when we got there, we had these rolling hills. There's this great, beautiful backdrop. There was a barn, there was lights. We could hear live music playing. We got to sit down, and guys, the food, <laughs> the food, oh. Gosh, we had a proper roast dinner with the, the potatoes were crunchy on the outside and fluffy on the inside. And we had proper great, you know, proper gravy. Oh, man, and roast chicken. And then, you know, there was a hog roast. They had a whole pig roasting outside and you had these lovely fluffy batches and you could put apple sauce. It was amazing. And if you're not hungry and counting down the minutes to dinner by now, I'm sure you will be. It was Amazing. And we got to see the bride and groom and congratulate them and meet some of their family and hear the speeches. It was an amazing, amazing time. And I'm so glad I didn't stay at the McDonald's. I'm so glad I moved on. I'm so glad I walked forward and went where I was supposed to go and got to be a part of that reception. I'm bringing it back to the scripture we've got here. God says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And for me, to make a parallel, it's like I was hungry. I was struggling. I was on my way somewhere. And God provided a stream in the desert. He provided food where there wasn't food. And we got to eat and rest. But it wasn't for me to stop there at that McDonald's. I was supposed to continue on to that wedding reception. And it's so easy to get stuck on maybe something that God has done or some great thing, or maybe even something tragic in the past, and not move on, not continue. And I want to say to you all, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. For many of you, this is something that holds you back from moving on, and you know it. And I believe God wants to deal with it. And if you look 
at verse 18 and you do some research and you look into uh, some of the Hebrew there. When God says, remember not the former things, he's, so he's just said in verse 16 and 17, I rescued the children of Israel out from the hand of slavery, miraculous through the Red Sea. Big miracle, big deliverance. All right, forget about that. Almost what I'm about to do is so amazing. You might as well j- just forget about that for a moment because I'm doing something new. I'm doing something great. And in order to be a part of that, in order to see that, you need to not dwell on the past. Guys, one major, major reason you shouldn't dwell on the past is because you can't live there. You literally can't live in the past. So for me in that example, physically, if I wanted to live in the past, I would have wanted to stay there in that McDonald's. And what would have happened is I would have missed out on everything that was supposed to take place at that wedding reception. But you can't live in the, far, in the past uh, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Now imagine, so I, I left that McDonald's and said, okay, I'm going to move on. Physically, I'm not going to stay there. If I stayed there mentally, I would have been driving the car facing, trying to face forward, but constantly looking over my shoulder, trying to see those golden arches in the background. And if you're ever driving a car, supposed to be going forward, but you spend all your time looking backwards, you can't see where you're going and you're going to crash. Why do some of us do that with our lives and we would never do that in our car or if we're riding a bicycle, we'd keep our eyes on where we're going. And some of us, we, live, we try and live in the past. We move on physically, but mentally we keep looking backwards. Okay, let, let, let's say I, you know, I move on and I'm not staring out of the back window. I'm looking where I'm going. But I keep peeping in the rear view mirror and in the side mirrors, trying to get a glimpse of, of McDonald's there and remembering the good old days and how we laughed and the Big Mac that I ate and that, how I got a bit of ketchup on my shirt and we laughed. You know, distracted. I might still get to the wedding reception, but I might make a wrong turn. I might still hit some kind of obstacle because I'm not paying attention. Guys, don't dwell in the past. You can't live there mentally. You can't live there physically. You can't live there emotionally. You can't live there spiritually. God wants us to move on. You need to take your eyes off the past to see the future. And I just want to say this. The past is for learning. It's not for rehearsing. The past is for learning from. I won't go into it now, but there's a, a great verse in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And Paul just says all these things are recorded in the Bible for us to learn from. And guys, the past is for, for learning from. It's not for repeating the same mistakes or for doing the same things or for feeling bitter about something that happened before. For learning, not rehearsing. God doesn't want us to dwell in the past. We can't live there. Now, for some of us, the past is not like my story. It's not a fun experience at this rest stop at McDonald's. Maybe the past holds some trauma. The past holds some hurts or some really, really bad things. God doesn't want you to dwell in the past. He wants to deal with it. God wants to deal with your past so that you can move forward. Let God deal with it. Maybe you need to forgive someone. And we've heard some really good sermons from this stage from different people about forgiveness. The analogy often uses that unforgiveness is like holding a burning coal in your hand, squeezing onto it tightly and hoping for the other person to get hurt. You need to let go. You need to forgive people in order to receive all that God has for you. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to say sorry. Maybe guilt and shame and looking back at something that you've done wrong, maybe that's holding you back. Let God deal with that. 
repent. God says he's faithful and just to forgive all our sins when we confess them to him. Maybe you need to confess your sins to one another. That's biblical too, to shine a light on maybe things you've done wrong and receive forgiveness. You know what? Maybe some of you to deal with your past, you need to get some counseling. And I held my hand up with absolutely no shame. Um, it was 2016, I did a couple months of good Christian counseling. It helped me so much to bring some things to the service, to understand some things about my past and how I'm wired and allow God to shine a light on those, to speak truth over them, to have people pray with me and hold me accountable about those things. Maybe some of you guys need some counseling to deal with your past. Maybe it's, it's uh, stronghold work, you know, looking at patterns of behavior or sin that are holding you bound. And if anyone's in a life group and they've done Rooted, I highly, highly recommend it. Week five talks about stronghold busts and how you can work that through. Uh, the course Freedom in Christ is some similar stuff and works through some of that. Trying to bring freedom in Christ as it's meant to be. Don't rehearse the past. Don't repeat past sins and mistakes. Let God deal with it. And I honestly think for many of us, a negative thing in the past is more of an issue for us than it is maybe a positive thing that's holding us back that we're looking at. Let God deal with it. He doesn't want you to dwell in the past. You can't live there. He wants to move you on and do a new thing in your life in this coming season. Don't let the past hold you back. So if there's something negative in your past, let God deal with it. And I want to say this. If there's something good in your past, celebrate it. Thank God for it. Tell people about it. But move on. Move on. You can't live on yesterday's blessings. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I was 16, I did really well in my GCSEs. I worked hard, made my parents proud. I got four A stars and five A's. I was chuffed. I won a little award for that as well. Nah, you, can, you can clap if you want, but wait, wait till you hear the rest of the story. All right. I got four A stars and five A's. And I was like, yeah. I walked into sixth form like, yeah. Nothing less than an A. That's me, Tolu. Hey. And so I walked in and, you know, I was predicted an, oh, let's see, I was predicted an A and two Bs for my A-levels. I thought, right, I've got these A-stars and these A's. I'm going to go smash it for A-levels. And uh, I'll be 100% honest. I, I, I relaxed a little bit. I was living in the past of that past victory, of that past good result that I had got. And so I worked throughout the year and I got to the summertime. We opened your results envelopes. And I got a C and two Ds. From A and two Bs to C and two Ds. That was a wake-up call. And at that moment, I realized I can't live in the past. I can't live in my past results and good successes. I need to move on. I need to step up. It's a new season. I needed to work harder. And I'm glad I got the kick at AS level so that I could learn at A level and make um, some amends. And I got into uni and I did well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Don't let the past hold you back. You can't live there. All right. So I'm going to read verse 19 and I'm going to move on to my next point. The Lord says this, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And uh, I really love how this verse starts in other translations. You might have, See, the Lord is doing a new thing. But mine says, Behold. And I got really excited and I went and I did some study and I went online. I looked at a Hebrew for the word behold. And do you know what a Hebrew, the word is hine? Do you know what that means in Hebrew? It means behold. I was a little disappointed, to be honest. I thought I was going to get some new, fresh revelation, but it means the same in English as it means in Hebrew. But hey. Well, when you read the scripture, I think it almost just sounds like this. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. 
God's trying to catch our attention. Behold means to look, to see. If you go to the old English, it means to, to behold and to grab onto something tightly. God's trying to catch our attention. And in this verse, it's actually an instruction. God is saying, behold, look up, see, pay attention. It's something that you respond to, some, a way that you respond. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Can you imagine if I'd stayed at that McDonald's and I'd not looked up? I'd not thought about the reception. I'd settled for where I was. How much I would have missed out on. I didn't mention I got to dance. If some of you have ever seen me at a wedding, I do love to dance. I would have missed out on that. You can't really dance in McDonald's. You look a bit weird. <laughs> God wants you to dance. Amen. <laughs> God's got new things in store for you. You don't want to miss out on them. He wants you to look up. He's trying to catch your attention. And I want to say this. This is really important and links with my first point about God is our only savior. God is the one doing the doing. It's very, very important. God is the one doing the doing. He's the one doing the new thing. Can you imagine if I'd got to that wedding reception and uh, I'd got to where my name was at the table, I'd taken my blazer off, put it on the, on the chair, and then I'd walk to the kitchen and I'd walk through the door, put on an apron and a little chef's hat and said, right, could you just pass me some chicken and can I get some onion, please? And could you turn the oven on for me? They kicked me out. I'm a wedding guest. I'm not part of the catering staff. It was already prepared. The food was already there. I wasn't the one doing the doing. It's God doing the doing in a new season. When he's doing a new thing, look out for what he's doing. A lot of us get caught in a trap of trying to manufacture something. I've been in this season a while and I feel like I need a change. So I am going to go out and try this. And sometimes it really doesn't work, guys. Sometimes we fall flat on our faces, as we should sometimes. God is doing a new thing. Make sure you're in line with him. He doesn't work for us. We work for him. But oh, is he a good father? Oh, is he a good boss? He knows exactly what he's doing. God is the one doing the doing. You don't have to strive and fight to try and make something come up. When the season is right, when God is calling you forward, he will open the right doors. And it's really, really important for us not to get too focused on the new thing that God is doing and forget God. Whatever God is up to, he's a part of it. He'll never open a door that you walk through and you get so busy you forget about him. He's not about that. The best thing he can ever do for you is remain in relationship with you. So he'll never do anything to jeopardize that. Guys, God is the one doing the doing. Keep your eyes on him. Don't ever sacrifice that for anything else. And be, you know, be careful. Some things can creep in and become more and more important to us and they end up becoming like idolatry. That we would rather serve that thing or that idea or that new thing than we would serve God and spend time with God. You know, I, I know some people, I have some friends, they spend so much time trying to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend that they completely forget about spending time with the Lord. They've got their priorities mixed up. Guys, don't do that. Don't get so focused on trying to get something from God that you forget about God. It's central that God is the one doing the doing, but God is our prize. God is our reward. God is our only savior. And God wants to remain in relationship with us. I want to make a, a, a minor added point to the point there, my sub point. God is doing the doing. God is doing the doing now. For some of you, in this season, God is doing something now. Bible says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? 
There's an element of time here. This may not be for everybody, but for some people in the room, you know God is poking at you now. He's doing something new. So you need to look up and see and pay attention to what he's doing. The verse continues, now I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God is asking a question. So I'll backtrack a bit. So he saved the children of Israel out of slavery. Big miracle. He's then said, don't look at the past. I'm going to do something new. I'm doing a new thing now when it's springing forth. And then he says, do you not perceive it? So it's one thing to look up. It's another thing to see. God is asking, do you not perceive it? Can you not understand it? Do you not know it? The Amplified Bible says, do you not perceive it and know it? And will you not give heed to it? Will you not pay attention to it? God's inviting us to see what he is up to once we look up. It's important not to look back, not to dwell on the past so that you can see what God is doing. And for sometimes, for some of us, we feel unable to see what God is up to. And it could be a few different reasons why that is. We've already covered the past. Dwelling on the past might hinder you from seeing what God is doing, what God is up to. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you can sense God is up to doing something and he wants you to step out. But maybe you're just scared. And because you're scared, you can't get a good idea of what he really wants you to do. Maybe it's worry or doubt. Other things are just, are just really, you know, taking too much of your attention. You can't see, excuse me, you can't see what he's up to. Guys, maybe it's sin. It's a reality in some of our lives. Maybe we are doing something we know we're not supposed to do. And that is hindering our ability to see what God wants us to do, what God has and wants for us. Maybe it's sin that we need to deal with. And maybe, as I mentioned before, maybe it's idolatry. And it's not a word we use often in this day and age, but simply anything taking the place of God. Maybe that's blocking our ability to see what God is up to. I know very recently for me, I mentioned the first service, I listened to a lot of like um, personal development and kind of motivational speeches and stuff like that. And you can get a bit caught up, as I said before, in trying to manufacture something and focusing. If I do this step and this step and this step, then I'll get here maybe that's a tool that God might use. But God is God. He's our only savior. He's our only rescuer. There's only so much we can do in and of ourselves. We need God. That is truth. That is reality. Especially to go forward in something he's called for us to do. He'll always equip us with what we need. But other things are secondary. They shouldn't come in front and stop us seeing what God wants to do. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Other translations say, let us throw off everything that hinders. If you know God is calling you not to look at the past but to look forward and there's something new in the season coming but you're unable to see it, throw off everything that hinders. Throw it off. Let it go. If it's a TV show that's, you know, just got you distracted, it's got you up in your feelings and you're thinking about it all the time, let it go. If being on social media all of the time is catching your attention and stopping you spending time with God and seeing what's going on because you're comparing yourself all the time, let it go. If spending time on the phone with a particular person or a friend is just taking up all of your hours, let it go. Whatever is stopping you seeing what God has for you, whatever is hindering your relationship with God, let it go. 
the song from Frozen has just come to mind. I really wish it hadn't. <laughs> oh dear. Let it go. It's not worth it. God wants to do a new thing in your life. The stakes are high, guys. Don't let anything interrupt that. I'm going to read a few more verses as I come into land. I'm going to invite Lamar back up on the keys. I'm going to read from verse 20 and verse 21. And this is really important and kind of buttresses everything that's gone before. Verse 20 says, The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who are formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. God doesn't want you to look at the past. He wants you to look forward. He wants you to pay attention. See what new thing that he is doing. Why? Because he wants to meet a need. He wants to meet your need wherever you are in this season. But over and above that, he wants to meet the needs of people around you. When God does a new thing, it's not just about us. It's about the people around us. God wants to provide water in the desert places, in places where there's no water, in places where there's no provision. You cannot live without water. God wants to bring life. If you're a Christian in this room, he wants us to be salt and light and be living water to those around us. God cares. God cares deeply. And he wants to meet needs. He wants us to see him and be about this new thing so that he can meet people's spiritual needs, people's physical needs. That's why I said at the beginning, a new thing for you may not be a job promotion. It may be an opportunity to serve. Because God wants to meet a need. And best believe you will feel the most fulfilled when you are in God's will, doing what he's called you to do, even if it's not glamorous. Another reason God provides in the wilderness that God does a new thing it's to bring glory to his name to bring praise to his name the Bible says how would they believe if they haven't heard and how would they hear if no one says guys I used to be so ashamed of being the boy that goes to church every Sunday I used to feel really weird about talking to my friends about that and then I realized they're out there doing all kinds of things at the weekend they need what I have and they may look at me funny when I say I was in church on Sunday and I really felt the presence of God and I felt peace and I felt joy and I raised my hands. That might be completely alien to them. But spiritual life is what they need. When God does a new thing in your life and he's, he's provided a way in the wilderness, go and tell people about it. They need to hear your story. They need to hear what God's done in your life. They may respond, they may not. We are God's witnesses. We are his servants. He's our only rescuer. And the world needs to hear what he's been up to in our lives. God doesn't just do things for our own benefit. And he does because he loves us. But also for those around us. It's something that we can never forget. God is able to do the impossible, guys. Rivers in the desert. Able to do what you've never even imagined. And he'll do it because he loves I'm going to invite the rest of the band up as I begin to close. And I want to say this. This message is about freedom, guys. This message is about freedom from the past. Freedom to step into all that God has for you. The Bible says in Galatians 5, chapter 1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. For some of you, letting God deal with the past is not going to be a one-time issue. You have to stand firm in it every day till the thing is dealt with. It's like forgiveness. Sometimes you need to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving even when you don't feel like it until that work in you is done. 
For some of us, it's going to be a journey. It's not going to be instantaneous. But stand firm. God wants you to live in the freedom that he bought for you on the cross. So I'm going to ask you this. If you want to move forward along the path that God has marked out for you, I'm going to read a few statements. And if at the end these statements resonate with you, then please stand up and I want to pray for you. The statements are this. this is, these are questions. Church, will you commit to not looking back or living in the past? Will you commit to letting God deal with the past, whether that's counseling or working through strongholds or forgiveness, repentance, whatever it takes? Will you commit to looking up when God says look up and looking to God alone? Will you commit to making your relationship with God a priority? Will you commit to paying attention to what he's doing and throwing off everything that would hinder or block your vision of God? If that is you and something you want to commit to, please stand up so I can pray for you. And for those of us, I'll pray in a minute, for those of us who feel, you know what, the past has really had a grip on me. I have really struggled to let that go, to let God move me on, to forgive that person, to get over that thing, to walk in what, God's called, what God has called me for. The past has really held me. If you feel that something that's really you struggled with and you want God to help with you with, whether you're standing or sitting, please raise your hand. I want to play for you as well. If the past is something you've particularly struggled with, thank you very much. Thank you for being honest. This is a safe place. All right, I'm going to pray for both sets of people. God, thank you that it's you who works in us to will and to work. God, you are our only rescue and we come to you, our Savior, able to do the impossible. For those of us who have struggled with hurts in the past, God, we bring them to you. We lay our troubles at your feet, God, and say, because you love us, would you deal with these things? Would you show us what it is we need to do? Whether it is simply to accept your forgiveness and your love, whether it's to forgive other people, give us the strength to do whatever you call us to do to deal with our past. God, we need you. We can't do it without you. Holy Spirit, would you empower every single person that has their hand in the air to deal with their past, to let you deal with it, to enter those secret places and things they've kept hidden so that you can sweep it clean and bring peace, God. Bring peace and wholeness. God, for everybody standing, whether they've got their hands raised or lowered, God, that wants to commit to following you forward, to not looking at the past, but stepping in to all you have for them, for looking up, for making you number one priority and stepping into all you've called them to do so that you may shed your love, show your love to other people. Empower them, Lord God. Lead them forward. Give them strength. May they not grow weary in well-doing, God. Holy Spirit, fill them afresh, even in this moment. Lead them, open their eyes to see what you're doing. Give them strength and courage. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You are a faithful God. Cement that truth in their hearts this morning, I pray. Thank you, God, that you are a faithful God. Thank you, God, that you love us. God, would you come and bring fruit from the seeds you've planted today? That we would move forward into a new thing that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.